So the greatest connection you could ever have is a connection with God, yes? And so this morning I want to talk to you about praise because praise is a problem for your problem. Praise is a problem for your problem. Have you ever had something given to you that's really, really cool but you really don't know how to use it? See, people know that I love coffee and this person gave me a, a coffee machine. And because I love coffee, I thought I knew how to work the coffee machine. So doing the manly man thing that we do as men, I didn't read instructions because I can just work this out on my own. How many people, guys, you're going really quiet on me. Why is I thought we would have got a bit of an amen out of that one? And so I thought, I can just make this. I don't need to learn. I know how coffee works. And when I made the first few coffees, they were absolutely disgusting because you can be given something really, really cool, but if you don't know how to use it, it's actually not cool at all. And, and it just sat there for a while until I actually got a clue and looked up YouTube and learned how to make coffee because that's always a good thing. But praise is a little bit like that. I believe praise is a weapon that God has given us the church as Christians, as individuals, but we actually don't really use it very well or we don't actually know how to use it because praise is a weapon that God gives us and praise is not just the fast two, first two songs in the service. Praise is not even that. Praise is actually a way of life. Praise is actually a mindset. It's an attitude. It's something we do. And the reality is, is that praise is powerful because we know the scripture says that even just at the name of Jesus, at the mention of his name, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And so we know that there's this powerful thing behind praise, but we don't really understand how to use it. And praise is so powerful that it can actually be a problem to your problem. Praise is so powerful that it can become a problem to your problem. For example, if you have a problem of insecurity, or low self-esteem, praising Jesus for who he is and who you are in him can be a problem for that self-esteem. If you're struggling with addiction to all sorts of things, praising God for who he is and that he has the power to break the chains over your life and to set you free can be a problem for that addiction. Praise can be a problem for your problem if we know how to use praise well. Praise is the moment where you can say, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what is about to take place. I don't know what the future holds. But I'm going to praise the one who holds it because I know that he'll come through for me. Praise is something that God has given us. In fact, the Bible says this, that God inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, he comes and he builds his house, his home in the middle of our praises. The fastest way to get God into the middle of a situation is not to complain to him about it, but to praise him in the middle of it. That's why it says, bring all your requests of praise and supplication that the peace of God may come. It's there's a power in our praise when we exalt him and we praise him for who he is. And there's this great story in chapter 16 of the book of Acts, and starts in verse 25 about Paul and Silas, and it starts off this way, it says about midnight. I, I love that it's about midnight because the time that we need to praise God the most is usually at the time of our darkest need. It's usually in our darkest moment that we need to praise God the most, that we need to reach out to him the most. Praise needs to be the loudest in our darkest moment. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They had just been put in prison and all the other prisoners were listening to them. Not only is it important 
that in your darkest time that you praise God the loudest, but you need to understand something that all the other prisoners were listening. Sometimes our world wants to hear us shouting how much we love God and how much he is good to us when we're in the prison moments. We're very good as Christians at telling people how amazing God is when life is going great. But sometimes the world is listening to see how you're going to praise him when you're going through hell. They want to hear how loud you can shout about how great he is when things don't look great. We're really good at praising him when things are going good, but we're not so good at praising him when things are going bad because we don't understand that praise is a weapon in our moments of trials. It's not something we want to avoid, but it's something that we want to run into. And the scripture goes on in verse 26 and says, Suddenly, without warning, it was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken And once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose, there's something powerful when we come together as a church on a Sunday and we praise God together, we worship Him. There's something so powerful that as these two guys came together and sang and worshipped and praised God, that not only were their chains broken, but all the people around them chains were broken. You may come in here this morning and your life might be going really, really well and And you're not thinking too much about praising God together, but there might be people in this place that need some chains broken off their life. And that happens when we come together and we pray. Something happens when we corporately worship him. Somebody's life who doesn't even want to get free can get free when it's around an environment of praise. Goes on and it says that the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Isn't it crazy that the prison doors open, the chains fall off and nobody leaves? The jailer thinks everybody's run away, so he's about to kill himself because he knows if everybody escapes the jail, that that's going to be his outcome anyways. He's going to get killed for letting them all escape. And Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. don't kill yourself. Mate, we're still here. We haven't left. We haven't escaped. You know, when you praise Jesus in your darkest moments, he can give you a love for your enemies that you don't normally have. Paul and Silas could have very easily have left that prison, but they decided to stay because, hey, don't kill yourself. It's okay. We're here. Because when you praise him for how graceful he has been to you, when you realize that you have no right or reason to hold back your, the grace of God that you have for someone else because of the grace of God that he's applied to you. When we praise him for how great and graceful he has been towards us, it enables us to be able to pour out that grace to those that maybe have hurt us or wounded us. No reason to hold back from grace towards others when God has done so much for us. goes on in the story and says that the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I, I love this part of the story because there's no mention of the jailer's sins here. He doesn't come out and fall at their seat, feet and go, I'm a sinner, I've done this. I stole an apple from Food Town. Um, I took 20 bucks out of my mum's wallet while she wasn't looking. 
Um, I stole money off the dresser. When, 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 we were, when we were younger in our married life, we stayed with Trinity's parents for a while. We went through Bible college, and I used to leave my spare coins on, on the dresser, you know, in my bedroom, and Courtney would have been, I don't know, seven or eight years of age then, and one day she came out, and she goes, oh, I found all this money. Can I go to the shop? And I said, where did you find the money? And she goes, on your dresser. I said, it wasn't lost. It was on the, yeah, but it was just sitting on the dresser. Was, nobody wants it. I said, no, no, it's not lost. It's there. Maybe you've done something like that where you stole some money that you thought was lost. It's, there's, there's no mention of the sin. There's no mention of what he has done wrong. There's no altar call moment here for the jailer. You know, if you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to get yourself right, why don't you come out? What brought this jailer to this point that he was like, man, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to find Jesus? What do I, wow, I, I need what you have. What do I have to do to do that? The thing that brought him to that place was two prisoners worshipping God, praising God, nothing else. Apparently, just our ability to praise God together and worship God together is enough of a witness for people to want to come and give their lives to Christ. Praise is powerful. It says further on in the story, it says, and they, be, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of night, the jailer took them and dressed their wounds. Praise is so powerful that when we praise God, it can get you to a place where those who actually caused your wounds are the ones who actually dress your wounds. Praise can be so powerful that the parent that wounded you when you rebuild that relationship is the parent that actually heals your wounds. Praise can be so powerful that the very people that hurt you are the very people that end up healing you. That's how powerful praise is because it can turn a situation around. But for you to be able to praise in your life, for you to be able to live a life of praise, something needs to happen. Praise has to overcome your personal preferences. Praise has to overcome your personal feelings. Psalm 34 verse 1, it says this, I will praise the Lord at all times. How many, at what times? All times. What is all times? All times. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. This is such a counterintuitive verse for our society and culture today that has told us to be more conscious of our feelings than any other time in history, I feel like. We're being taught that our feelings matter and it's feelings over facts. Have you heard of that lately? There's some of this weird thinking out there. It's not, not the facts aren't real, it's your feelings that are real. Well, you may feel like you can fly off the top of this building, but the facts are gravity will not allow you to. Feelings aren't facts, facts are facts. Come on. And we've been told this whole thing that your feelings matter and, and let your feelings guide you and let them, let them shape your life. We've been told that our feelings are what really matter, but here's the thing. 
when, when does the Bible ever say that? Well, I, I don't really feel like that. I don't really feel like going to church today. I don't, I don't really feel like doing what God wants me to do. I don't really feel like singing these new songs because I prefer the old songs. Well, Jesus didn't really feel like dying on the cross either. You know, some of the things that we get upset about in church, if you look at the book of Acts where people were beheaded and sawn in two and fed to the lions because of their stance for Christ, and then we have in in the book of Acts, we're still living in the book of Acts, and then we come into 2019, and it's like people were beheaded, people were sawn in two, people were fed to the lions, and people left the church because the music was too loud. It just doesn't fit. People left the church because they changed the coffee. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit because your feelings actually don't matter. It's not your feelings that should rule you. Whoever said that your feelings matter to you has actually lied. What your feelings actually do is it shows you what you believe, whether that be true or whether that be false. Your feelings will actually reveal to you what you actually believe and what you believe isn't necessarily true. At the end of the day, your praise has to be your priority, not your feeling. Because there's going to come a day for you, maybe, where you're needing to pray for the healing of a loved one, someone who is sick. And you may not feel like calling on him as healer, but you're going to have to do it anyway because you have no other options. There's going to come a day where maybe you're trying to provide financially and things just aren't happening, and you don't feel like you have it in you, but you're going to have to praise God anyway in that situation because you need something to happen in your life, and it doesn't happen without praise. God intervenes in praise because praise can be a problem for your feelings that dictate your life. Too many of us are led by our feelings, and our feelings dictate us when it's actually our praise that should dictate us. We lift our hands in church sometimes, and it may seem weird to some people, but basically I see it when I lift my hands as two things. Either it's the international sign of surrender. Somebody points a gun at you, you're going to go, you don't do this, unless you're you're a gangster. (laughs) But it's also the international sign from a child of pick me up. Children don't have to be taught that. They tug on your leg. and So I see that when I lift in my hands are two things. There's a sign of surrender that God is a God in control of my life no matter what my circumstances are. But it's also a pick-me-up God because I need your love and your grace and your mercy upon me right now. It feels good sometimes to come in. Not sometimes. It feels good always to come into church when... I'm feeling like my, I'm letting my emotions start to rule me, but I, de- but I decide, no, 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 emotions, you're not ruling me today. I might feel like doing this in my seat. But I'm going to do this in my seat. Because I understand something, that even though I'm going for a situation and my emotions are causing me to come down, if I'm going to get up out of my situation, I need him to lift me up. 
And praise always elevates. To lift up your hands and to remind your soul that, you know what, you don't dictate to me. Even if it's awkward, even if I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to lift my hands. Why? Because it's just a way for us to be able to say to God that we trust you, that we surrender to you, that we need you to pick you up. And I may have been bound up all week due to circumstances or situations, but when I come into this worship setting with all my church family, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to see the chains broken off my life because I'm going to praise him in spite of what's going on in my world right now. It's just a way to praise him. Lifting your hands is not some sort of formula. It's just a way to praise him because at the end of the day, the only reason why you and I don't lift our hands is because we're more worried about what people think than we are about God setting us free. We're more concerned about what the person beside you or behind you or in front of you is going to think of you as you worship, as you praise him, than you are wanting to be free of this thing that seems to have gripped you all week. And if you're too afraid to lift your hands in church and see these things happen and things break off your life, if you're ineffective in church, friend, you're going to be ineffective outside of church. If you can't worship him in here, you'll never worship him out there. If you can't connect with him in this safe environment, you'll never connect with him in that catastrophe circumstance or that traumatic experience you're going through in your home or in your workplace or wherever it may be. Now, I want you to keep in mind that even though I've talked about lifting hands, it's not talking about the method here. It's not about lifting hands so much as it's about, it's a heart issue. It's, it's a response. I lift my hands because my heart causes a response that I want to surrender to him, that I want to worship him. I don't lift my hands because if I lift my hands, somehow God goes, oh, you've lifted your hands this morning, tick. Oh, you sang nice and loud, tick. Oh, you clapped your hands, tick. Now I can do something in your world. That's not how it works. That's a set of rules and regulations, and that's how most Christians live their lives. But I don't live by rules and regulations when it comes to worship. I live by relationship. And because I love him, my hands lift. It's that simple. You don't, I don't have to sit down when I get out of bed in the morning and get, check my to-do list. Tell Trinity you love her, okay? Tell the kids you love them, cool. Um, make sure you take out the trash, yep. I, I don't need a checklist, I don't don't need an instruction that says, don't forget, tell the kids you love them. It automatically comes because there's relationship. It's not a forced thing. It's not a hard thing. It's because I I love them. So why wouldn't I respond that way? And so if I love God, why wouldn't I respond that way and surrender to him? One thing is for sure, if I lift my hands or not, I'm going to make sure on this day or on any day that I don't feel like praising God, that I'm going to praise him. The day I feel like sitting here and making sure that my body language matches my feelings, if you know what I mean, that's the day. The day that I feel like doing it the least, that's the day I'm going to worship and praise God the most, louder than I've ever done before. Why? Because Psalm 34 says, 
I will praise the Lord at all times. Good, bad, ugly, terrible. His praise will always be on my lips because I understand that when I bring uh, my prayers and supplication with praise towards Him, that then the peace of God comes. I understand that when I praise Him in the middle of this doctor's report, that He comes and builds His house. And if He builds His house in the middle of my circumstance, then I have His presence. And if I have His presence, I don't need anything else because in His presence is life forevermore. And so I need His presence and His presence comes by my praise. We praise God not because he has forgotten who he is, but so that we can't forget who he is. God hasn't forgotten who he is, but sometimes we forget who he is, yeah? That's why the scripture says this in Revelation, return to your first love. Why would God have to give that instruction? Because we forget. We forget that salvation. We forget that sense of faith that feeling of forgiveness and love and grace and mercy that floods our lives when we give our lives to him, we forget it so quickly. We forget so quickly what he has saved us from. And we can so quickly get into this thing where he's not doing what we want him to do and praise saves us from that because praise reminds us of what he has done. Praise reminds us of what he can do. Praise reminds us of who he is. He hasn't forgotten who he is, but sometimes we forget who he is. You know, the Holy Spirit is here this morning, but he's not insecure. The Holy Spirit is not insecure. He's not moving around the church today going, man, it's been a rough week this week, so I really hope row four really brings it this morning. Because I've had a tough week, man. It's been hard this week, and, and it's been tough. You know, been healing people. I've been an advocate for people. I'm filling people with power from God so that they can live out this life. And it's, it's just been a really rough week. So I really hope that row four just brings the praise today because I really need it. God doesn't need it. It's for our sake. We worship him so that we don't forget who he is. So that we don't forget what he has done. That's why we're singing songs. We're not just singing songs. They're anthems. I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. It's not just words. They're truth. It's an anthem. It's things that I praise over my life and over my circumstances and over my situations so that God can come. Because here's the thing, that you are confined to your confession. You are confined to your confession, what you say is what holds you. If your confession is, I'll praise you at all times, then that's where you're going to live. If your confession is, no matter what happens, I'm going to praise him, then you'll live in that place. But if your confession is, I don't really feel like it, and I don't know if God is going to show up, then that's where you will live. But we worship God so we don't forget who he is. Two reasons why you can worship God today as we finish, and Praise him today as we finish. The first thing is, is you can praise God right now. You can praise God right now. Why? You can praise him because he's already done more than you think he has. God has already done more for you than you think he has. I guarantee you that when we get to heaven one day, we're going to see some parts of our lives where we go, oh, wow, <laughs> didn't realize God did that for me right then. I didn't realize he saved me from that right then. 
I'm sure there are times where I've been driving in the car that God has saved me and I don't even realize it. I'm sure there are times where I was teaching Madison to drive where God saved me. And I'm praying that he does the same when it's his turn. You can praise him because he's already done more than you think. You know, do you really think that Paul and Silas, when they got into the jail, were like, okay, guys, this is what we'll do. What we'll do is we'll praise him. Earthquake's going to happen. Chains broken, doors open. Jailer comes to Christ and his whole family. They had no idea what was going to happen. They didn't know those things were going to happen. All they knew was that because God had been faithful before, because God had rescued them before, because God had saved them before, that God could do it again. They understood that because of his faithfulness, they could have faith in his faithfulness because God's power had worked before. And so they knew that his power could work again. So when they got caught up in prison, they weren't like, oh man, we're in prison. What are we going to do? They're like, oh, this is prison. Oh, this is a situation that we've been through before. God was faithful in it the last time. God will be faithful in it this time. He didn't fail me then. He can't fail me now. He's not going to start failing me now because he's never failed me before. So let's not panic about our situation, but let's get our praise on. Let's start praising him in the middle because they understood something that God would come and build his house in the middle. The next thing you know, you have two men that are part of a revival moment in the middle of the prison that just started with their praise. Didn't start with conversation with the warden. It didn't start with a conversation about anything. It just started with their praise and their praise in their prison because they knew that God had been faithful to them before. They knew that he would be faithful again. If you find yourself overwhelmed by the world that you're living in, remember how faithful God has been to you. It's something that I constantly have to remind myself when I'm going through difficult situations. I have to remind myself, I may feel like God isn't turning up in this moment that I need him to turn up in right now, but he certainly turned up in my moments in the past and he was faithful then. He can be faithful now because God doesn't do anything in our timing. If you've ever learned anything about following Jesus and he never does anything the same way each time because otherwise we're just gonna presume and he wants to show you a different side of of him every time that he breaks through for you. And I know because he's faithful then, he can be faithful now. I can save myself by being overwhelmed by my situation, by remembering how faithful he has already been to me. He's already done more than you and I give him credit for. So you can take a breath today. You can take a moment today and just go, because if he was faithful there, He's going to be faithful here. And if he's faithful over there, he's going to be faithful here. I can rest and praise God now because he's already done more than I can ever recognize. And if the devil ever tries to throw the fear of the unknown into your life, let God's faithfulness free you from that bondage. If he ever makes you feel overwhelmed about what's happening, let God's faithfulness free you from the bondage that you're in. Because if the devil can't stop you from moving forward, he'll make your life miserable while you walk. Have you ever realized that? If he can't stop you pursuing God, he'll just do everything he can to make it as miserable as possible for you. 
by throwing things in your pathway. And here's the thing, you and I have a choice. We can either be miserable or we can start to praise. Because great miracles come from great moments of believing in him. Paul and Silas easily could have gone into the prison and not praised, and I don't believe anything would have happened for them. But they had this incredible moment because they praised God in their darkest moment. I've said this several times and I say it again. If you want a resurrection moment in your life where God brings something that is dead back to life, and we all love that Paul said this, that I may know the power of his resurrection. And then the second half of the verse, we don't hear too much in the fellowship of his sufferings. For there to be a resurrection, there always has to be a death. For there to be a miracle, there always has to be a situation where a miracle has to happen, yes? If you want the testimony, then there has to be a little bit of moaning to go of the test so you have a testimony. He was faithful then, he can be faithful now. You've got to be able to let his faithfulness free you from the unknown. Take a deep breath. Realize you can praise God because he's already done more than you realize. And he's already been faithful to you before. He can be faithful to you now. Second thing that you can do is you can praise God because he's going to do more than you think he's going to do. You can praise God because now, because of everything that he has already done, which is bigger than you realize, but you can praise God now because he's going to do things bigger for you than you even think he's going to do. Some of you are going through really tough stuff right now. I get that. When you're going through tough stuff, you you can get to that place where you feel like you're just surviving, yeah? You feel like you're just surviving. You're barely getting through. But I want to tell you this morning that if you can get yourself into a lifestyle of praise, not only are you going to survive, but God's going to use you and God's going to use your story to do more, more than you could ever dream of. How do you know that, Craig? Because this word promises in Ephesians 3.20, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power consistently energizes you. Don't you love that? That he does more than your unbelievable dream, more than you could ever think, more than you could ever... And his miraculous power energizes. What miraculous power? I don't feel like there's anything miraculous happening right now. But he's done miraculous in the past. And when you remember what he's done in the past, you can have faith that he's going to do even more in your future. If God can bring me from here, if God can bring me out of drug addiction, if God can bring me out of alcoholism, if God can save my marriage that was nearly over back then, oh, how much more does he have for you? Because he takes us from glory to glory and strength to strength. The path of the Christian is always from one great thing to the next. When we praise him, no matter what is going on, when his praise is continually on our lips, no matter what is happening, in our world, it just takes us from miracle to miracle to miracle because he inhabits the praise, he gets involved in the circumstance and the situation and then you look back on your life as as David said and you realise goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life because I can't fix 
my circumstances. I can't fix your circumstances, but if I praise him in the midst of them, he will intervene and do exceedingly abundantly more. And I could have asked, dream, or think of, and that miraculous power will energize me to get through the situation because God is able to do more than you could ever imagine. And you've got to think to yourself, if you were Paul and Silas in this scenario, as you're walking out of this prison, because all you did was you got the chains and you started to rattle them a little bit because you always need a bit of a percussion side of things happening. Now, drums are always important, aren't they, Chris? It's, it's, it's most of, a little bit of percussion happening on the side with the chains going on. I don't know, maybe they got the chains to rattle in the key of D. But they must have walked out of that prison and gone, how crazy is this? All we did was sing a few songs. And not only did God bust us out, but he busted everybody out. And not only did he bust us all out, but the jailer got saved. His whole family got saved. Our wounds got healed. How crazy is this? Because I guarantee you when they started to praise him, there was no inclination of what he was about to do. They had one of their men, I, oh, we were just hanging out, singing some songs and all this. They must have one of them like head shaking moments like this is just crazy. And if you want to have one of them head shaking moments, we've just got to praise him in the midst of our circumstance. And I guarantee you that you'll be able to look back on your life from time to come and just go, wow, God was just, that was just crazy. God was so good in that situation. And all I did was praise him. All I did was drop a seed of praise into my situation. See, if you can drop a seed of praise into your world, whatever you're going through, then that praise will produce. But here's the thing, the fruit will be on God, not on you. Because it's your job to praise and it's God's job to give the deliverance. You see, I, I don't deliver me, he does. My job is to praise him. No matter what the circumstances are, God, I thank you that you're a great God. I thank you that you're always for me and never against me. I thank you, God, that all things work together for good for those who love you and accord according to your purpose. I thank God that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I thank God that no matter what weapon is rising up against me, you'll defend me. I thank God that your scripture promises for every word that rises up against me, for everything that people say against me, you're going to defend me. I thank you, God, that you said that vengeance is yours. It's not mine. All I have to do in the middle of my situation is not think about what am I going to do about this, but I just need to praise you in the middle of it, because if I can plant a seed of praise, if I can do the praising, you'll do the delivering. It's my job to praise you, but it's your job to deliver me. We spend too much of our time trying to deliver us instead of praising, and God's like, man, I want to move, but you're not doing your bit. You're getting in the way of my bit, and if we would just understand that if we can drop a seed of praise then the jailer will get saved and all that stuff will happen. It may look like a prison that you're in right now and you may not have a whole lot of reasons in the natural to praise God, but if you can just turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to drop a seed of praise into this situation and I'm going to believe that God is going to do more than I ever think he could do. 
then he will. Because when you understand the power of the praise seed, you might feel totally overwhelmed with what your situation is. But you can get on your knees when you get home. Or you can stand if you want to or do whatever it is that you want to do. And you can just start praising God for what you do know. You can start praising him for what you do know. You may not know the outcome of your situation, but you do know this. You know that God is faithful. That God is for you. You do know that Jesus died for you and he's forgiven you of all of your sin. You do know that the Holy Spirit is there and been given to us by God to empower our lives. You do know that. You may not know what's going to happen, but what you can praise him for is what you do know. And that seed can produce more than you could ever imagine in your situation. Because when you hit, when you're hit with a prison season, praise is your way through it. When you're hit with a dark moment and a prison season, praise is the only way to get through it. David said this in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's a key thing for you to understand. Most of you think that you're in death, but it's just the shadow of death. It's not actually death. It may look like death, but it's not death. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow, in other words, though I walk through this situation, though I walk through this dark moment in my life, though I walk through this really nervous time with the doctors, or when I walk through this marriage difficulty, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In other words, the rod is, is that discipline to praise him. No matter what is going on, I will praise him at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. And then his rod and thy staff, the staff is a thing that the shepherd would use to lead the sheep to wherever they're going. He will lead you out of your dark patch, out of your dark valley, if you would just praise him in the midst of it. Trust him. He's got you covered. He's got your back. Our job is to praise. It's his job to deliver. And sometimes the praise might be ugly and awkward, but just praise him anyway. Sometimes your praise may not make much sense because there's so much tears and snot coming out of your nose. You can't even understand yourself. But just praise him anyway. I don't know what the future holds for you. But I know there's more to come for you. There's more to come in your marriage. There is more to come in our church. There is more to come in the dreams of your heart. But you have to make a decision today to say, you know what, I'm going to live praise. Praise is not something that I'm just going to do. It's something that I'm going to live. I'm going to make a decision today that I'll bring praise into this day, no matter what. No matter what is going on, I'll bring it to my hospital bed. I'll bring it to the party I'm invited to. I'll bring it to the funeral that I maybe have to go to. I'm going to bring it back into my marriage. I'm going to bring it back into my home, back into my relationship with my kids. I will praise you because of what you have already done and the faithfulness that you have already shown me and because I know that you're going to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask for. And when we get to that place where we can praise God like that, then, friend, praise then becomes a problem for your problem. The enemy sits back and he goes, we have a problem. What's the problem? We have a praise problem. Because even though we're throwing this at them and we're throwing that at them and this at them, they're still praising. Job had his family killed, everything taken from him, body covered in boils, People are saying to him, why don't you just curse God and die? And his response was this, though he slay me, I'll still praise him. 
Though he slay me, I'll still praise him. And with those words began God restoring everything back to Job, not to the level that it was, but exceedingly abundantly more than he ever had before. Because when we can praise God in the middle of the valley, when you come out of the valley, when you come out of the desert, you always enter into his promised land. Because he does exceedingly abundantly more with your praise seed than you could ever do. But we just got to learn how to praise him. and Get back to the situation where when you have a problem, you go, what? I'm going to raise up a praise on the inside of me, even though I don't feel like it, because my problem needs a praise problem. Praise needs to be a problem for the enemy. Praise needs to be a problem for my situation, because I know if I praise him, then God has to intervene. He has to come and build his house in it. He has to come and occupy that territory. So my praise is going to be a problem for my problem.